are you and uh, how is the family? Uh, yeah, th- uh, thanks for everyone for the nice messages. Sorry, we've been away for a couple of weeks. If you don't follow us on Twitter, unfortunately, um, my mum has not been too well. She was in hospital for a bit, but she's back home. Uh, so uh, we are able to do podcasting again, which is very nice. Um, it's kind of, uh, obviously, it's like a horrendous experience, but... It's also horrendous timing because this meant we didn't do any podcasts when United suddenly discovered a free-flowing, counter-attacking, beautiful football uh, version of themselves again, albeit briefly. Albeit briefly, yeah, uh, three games or so. Um, And as soon as you said, uh, we'll be doing a podcast tonight, that was it. All talent went out the window. Some people might say there's this conspiracy going on here. They might do. They might do. Mm. Uh, poor old Wazza as well. Like He's been in absolutely sumptuous form, scoring divine goal after divine goal, and uh, there was no rank cast to praise him on, and then he was uh, very deeply average against Chelsea. But well, he, has, he has been in great form, though. It's been a joy to watch. If you if you consume football only through the rank cast, there's probably somebody out there <laughs> in a log cabin miles from anywhere or something like that. Um, you uh, you might not believe Rooney's been in good form because you would not have heard about it. But yeah, he's been in decent form. Um, although I did think it was kind of funny when uh, one bounced off his shin uh, today when he's trying to control it uh, and he tried to overhead hit. But that would have been some goal, a Rooney control and then a, a Rooney finish. But no, he's been, he's been very good, scored some excellent goals and, and United have been attacking um, with some verve. It, it's almost hard to believe. Um, but the attacking display against Stoke, for example, was one of the best for quite some time, perhaps under Van Hal um, at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think probably you'd say that the City and Tottenham games last season were better because of the quality of opposition. Uh, but it was, and the first half against Leicester last season as well. But um, uh, it was a fantastic display. And really tellingly, that's the least possession United have had at home all season. Now, partly this is because they were 2-0 up by half-time, which always skews possession data. But also, um, partly just it was a consequence of they were playing in a very different style. And that that second goal, that Martial goal, was just beautiful. It was like watching Manchester United. Yeah, well, not just that goal as well. The the Mata Martial Rooney goal was also beautiful as well. Just a beautifully worked um, goal from uh, Mata at number 10, threading the three balls through. Uh, he's just so much better there. And I, I, uh, I've i had debates with various people on Twitter over the years about Mata. And some people don't believe number 10 is his best position. You know, some people still believe the earth is flat. In fact, they really do because <laughs> they uh, argue with yeah, rap stars on Twitter about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was a quote after the Derby game, which was where all this nice football started. Well, Lingard and Rooney both gave quotes saying they were the manager told them to go out and enjoy themselves and play with freedom, and you could see that in the team. Van Gaal strenuously denied this on his in his Friday. Pre- no, I, I did not talk about freedom or enjoyment. Those things are bad. I only believe in suffering. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just doesn't get it, does he? It's a, it's amazing. Eighteen months in, and he still hasn't quite got the club. Um, but, you know, for 60 minutes against Chelsea, United were again very good, totally dominant and um, could have scored before Lingard's goal uh, and then scored a, an absolute beauty from uh, Jesse, who scored four in his last nine games now and, um, you know, really well deserved, I think. He, he takes quite a lot of criticism, Lingard, and I think it's because he's actually quite wasteful as a player um, and it feels like he's not really grown into his own skin as a footballer yet. But he's scoring goals and, and he's always on the front foot. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's the highest quality uh, winger there's ever been. Maybe he'll grow into that. But the the thing you would say about him is he's always trying. He's always looking for the ball. He's not scared of it. And, and he deserved his goal. And United deserved the lead after 60 minutes. After that, though... What happened for the last 30? Um, well, I think I'd like to just bounce that question back to you, Ed, because judging by your Twitter feed, you seem to have some fairly strong feelings on the subject. Well, mainly frustration in the moment, but uh, it just felt that United went back to being passive again. Um, Chelsea were clearly there for the taking and uh, they they sh- you know shrank into their shell a little bit. It went all a bit Van Hal, didn't it? And and yeah, I mean, I mean you, maybe you can say, look, Chelsea uh, took took the game by the scruff of the neck, and they deserved their their equaliser. Well, they did um, for the for the last thirty minutes or so, because uh, David de Gea ended up as man of the match. I guess made a couple of really really top quality saves as he does every game. 
Um, so I guess Chelsea deserved it, but but just United just seemed to shrink in the in the face of the thirteenth best side in the country. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a particularly helpful metric in that moment because. Chelsea have been better under Hiddink, and there are some fantastic players in that Chelsea attacking lineup. So I think that they they are not the thirteenth best side in the country when they're on their game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, mm, a ton of draws under Hiddink. They haven't lost, but it's mostly draws, isn't it? Yeah, so. but they look they look at they look a better side. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, fair enough. No, it, it look it's frustrating because for a long time United were good and they just didn't they just didn't press that on, you know. And uh, and and you you can certainly blame the players on the pitch, but I think it's just the ethos of the manager. They they immediately went on the defensive and and just some horrendous mistakes for United's goal. I mean, Memphis giving the ball away, uh, Daly Blint not tracking the runner, Borthwick Jackson did his best, but he had, he'd actually played Costa onside before the desperate last-minute tackle. And um, I think, you know, not too many happy players after that one went in, I don't think. No, and then Borthwick Jackson's kind of clearing tackle probably got in De Gea's way a little bit as well. Um, he kind of would have been better off going behind the goalkeeper and clearing the ball uh, at that point rather than trying to yeah. uh, get that tackle in. But uh, he had an excellent game up to that point. And He's been excellent ever since, um, well, since the last time we uh, recorded, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, what a ball in for for um, Lingard's goal and just uh, he's the best crosser at the club isn't he I mean just (laughs) such a left foot on him Um, reminds me of Gareth Bale's delivery you know whip and um, real real pace on the cross Um, and yeah excellent weapon for United yeah and uh, very assured defensively I mean you've got to cut kids slack when it comes to mistakes that it's absolutely inevitable part of playing young players and that's that's okay they he does more good than he does bad uh, really comfortable on the ball and him and Martial work very well together on the left as well because Kevin Borthwick Jackson can kind of keep up with Martial mentally you know he's there's lots of neat interchange between the two of them against Stoke and uh, it was kind of in evidence against Derby as well it's, it's, it's a pretty potent left flank at the moment it is yeah might be even more potent if you stuck Rooney out there of course no, I'm. Uh, I, I, what do you mean? No, no it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be. Um, other than <laughs> it would be a lot worse, wouldn't it? Isn't you could, the, you the, could get the main man up front. So um, uh, Martial had a decent game against Chelsea, but against Stoke, man, was he electric! Absolutely amazing. Uh, just, just brilliant. Yeah, um, a few of those Stoke defenders having nightmares for days afterwards about that. I yeah, think. I mean, Ivanovic as well. Like, Ivanovic just simply cannot handle Martial. And in, he was very close to making the breakthrough again against Chelsea as well. Just The, the end product is not quite perfect yet, but oh, it's on its way and it's good enough already. I mean, that goal against Stoke, but that, it was, like, that goal almost wasn't even the best thing he did against Stoke, but it was one heck of a finish, wasn't it? One touch and then side-footed it into the top corner. <laughs> On the sort of half volley, just beautiful technique. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a sad day when Real Madrid steal him off us. It really is. Because he's not going to be wanting to play in the Europa League for long. Is it going to be a sad day when Real Madrid steal Memphis off us, Ed? Well, maybe not on current form because, uh, I mean, not only is he in bad form, but he's just abysmal. He's, uh, he's uh, actually uh, pretty dangerous for us, uh, which is such yeah. a shame because. Um, he, he scored 27 goals in the Dutch league last season. He scores goals from all sorts of angles. It, it just feels like a some form of four-three-three. You know, stroke four-two-three-one would be good for him. You know, he can attack from the left and cut in and score goals. But he has not adapted well to England. Um, and uh, I mean, the it, if one pass said much about his time at United, it's the one today um, that caused you know much of the damage. Uh, you know, for Chelsea's equaliser. And it is a real shame because I think last time we recorded, he was in a neat little run of form coming on as a sub and making a, a bit of an impact. Uh, I think it's like probably a very big mistake to bring him on to try and close out a game though because he's not reliable. So that that decision from... I mean, I think taking Fellaini off and bringing Schneiderlin on was perfectly sensible and I think it would have been perfectly sensible to start with Schneiderlin or Herrera in place of Fellaini. Um who has started every game during this decent run, as he did during the decent run last season. But I think, unlike last season, I do think... 
I'm not. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is all just bias, and I can't see past my own prejudices. But to me, it looks like he makes United's midfield a lot worse. Yeah, I think he's in there for height. Van Hal has complained a couple of times about United's lack of height at set pieces. The irony of that, though, is that he's a defensive liability. Um, when when Flaney looks good, it's because he gets about uh, a few players but he, he doesn't cover the space well he doesn't really put in any tackles and he averages two aerial winners uh, per game right so he's well down the list as well so um, uh, he's, he's not even that good in the air uh, I think it's just because he's big and his hair is four foot tall that, that people assume he is um, I, I struggled to find any reason for Fellaini being anywhere near United and I was really hoping some Chinese super club would come in with a 95 million pound offer and just for, I, I basically, that last segment, that was just for the new listeners. Anyone who, this is your first episode, that was for you. Because other listeners will have definitely heard that at least three times this season. Because uh, we do say the same thing about Fellaini every time he comes up. Uh, but he keeps getting picked. So it's kind of, it keeps being a topic of conversation. It's deeply frustrating. Um so yeah, that that talking of deeply frustrating, the end of that Chelsea game was just so disheartening because, you know, Chelsea definitely deserved a draw by the end of it, but for so much of that game, United were on top. I think the last fifteen minutes of the first half, they'd sort of Chelsea had got a foothold in that game, but United came out really strong at the beginning of the second half, and they just looked a much better side than Chelsea. Pedro coming on made a big difference for Chelsea. They looked more direct and more penetrative, and. And take able to take advantage of this kind of huge gap of speed in the middle of the park. Um, yeah, where, you know, I just didn't have any pace. I, I want to talk about Matter at ten because I I don't think he's put in a personally spectacular performance there yet or anything, but the team just looks a million times better with him there. Well, look, I think people would um, say it was spectacular if he scored some goals. So, um, did he get one against Stoke? I'm forgetting that. Uh, um, he got one against Derby. Derby, that's he? right. Yeah, right at the end. Yeah, so I mean, if he'd scored a goal against Stoke, then people would have said spectacular performance because he was great in that position. He, he helps the ball move uh, in a much better way than say when Rooney's playing there. Definitely, definitely, he can pick the passes. Um, he he can set the tempo of the game. He gets in the right space. He, uh, even against Chelsea, actually, he was causing a lot of trouble in the first half. For, Chelsea's midfield by drifting deep and then uh, into channels. So um, he, it's just a much better option to have him there. Much better than Herrera as well. I, I just don't see Herrera as a 10. He's somewhere between a, an 8 and a 10, I guess. Um, and I think that's part of his problem at United. It's trying to find the right position for him. Um, but matter there's yeah, it's, it's just good. And it helps when there's pace on either side, of course, because he's got more options. Yeah, absolutely. This is... This has been this has been key. Um, so the pace on the left has been superb in Martial. The pace on the right has come from Lingard, who, as you say, is deeply unpopular with a section of the support, which I I find a bit sad to be honest. I always, I always find it a bit sad when local players coming through get all this stick early. And I, this is a broken record thing. We've talked about this a lot, but it does feel like United fans are more critical of their own than they are of the players brought in. In some senses. Um, but anyway, uh, that, that always seems a bit of a shame. Uh, another player that's been playing really well in uh, the recent weeks is Matteo Damian. Really recovered from his dip in form and, and superb for uh, probably since he was switched back to right back against Liverpool. It, he didn't play against Derby. Varela played and, and did very well. But uh, I think Damian's back. He is. Yeah, and that's good. Yeah, industrious against Chelsea. Uh, I, I mean, he could learn something from Borthwick Jackson, or should we just call him CBJ um, on the yeah. other side uh, about crossing? Oh, Not yeah. Not one of Damien's strengths, is it? No. Um, but he's been, yeah, very industrious, gets up and down that flank, uh, supports Lingard well, gives United some balance there. Yeah, it's, it's good to see him back in some kind of form. But, you know, you could say with uh, Varela performing well against Derby, albeit against Derby, that, you know, he's he's he now has, you know, the right to say he's, he's first... Second choice at right back, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, he did. He did okay then, and maybe they'll buy another right back in the summer, uh, or maybe not. We'll see how Varela does. Um, on the left hand side, 
Uh, at this rate, Shaw won't get back in the side, will he? <laughs> I mean, that is going to be interesting, but I suppose it won't do Balfour Jackson any harm to kind of have a bit of de- quieter development, and it doesn't do Mourinho or whoever's managing United next season any harm to have a, a, a good backup option for sure that doesn't diminish the quality. So you can do a bit of rotation in the Euro- in the Europa League group stages. Yeah. Um, so you brought it up there, Mourinho. Um, it would have been quite fun if he'd taken over um, with United going to Chelsea. <laughs> I suppose the, the narrative would have been just too good. Yeah. Uh, do we believe the rumours? Um, for so long, it, it has seemed that factions in the, the United boardroom, specifically Woodward, who is worried about his power base being disrupted by Mourinho's entrance, uh, you know, those factions had stopped a, a deal being done. But um, some very uh, credible people now saying that it's on and uh, Mourinho's arriving in the summer. Well, this all has to be discussed in the context of Guardiola coming to City, doesn't it? Because It does indeed. I mean, all the proper football journalists have reacted to this with no surprise whatsoever, like that this was totally inevitable and has been done for months. But until it had been formally announced, I couldn't help just having a little tiny seed of like, oh yeah, but maybe, maybe. No, of course not. The worst case scenario for United has come to pass. And and the Mourinho thing very much feels like a response to that. And you wonder whether like this is just loads of loads of people have joked. I think it was on the football ramble, I think it was on the second captain's podcast. Man United owe it to football to bring Mourinho in so right. you can have Mourinho and Guardiola head to head in the same city. Has to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well look, United do need a response and I don't think, you know, a few good fixtures uh, uh, results aside in January I don't think that Van Hal's done enough to suggest that United should do do anything but to bin him in the summer right um and then you have to work out what your options so uh, do you keep him for another year do you give Ryan Giggs the job a totally inexperienced coach that we have like no idea about his his friend Gary Neville might say something about that or do you look for another option and and with Guardiola gone to City and Angelotti at Bayern Munich. There are, are not a lot of the sort of elite level coaches available. One is, and that's Mourinho. And, you know, I have to say there's not too many parts of, of uh, my head that would like to see Mourinho at United. The one little bit that would would be the, the kind of drama because it's bound to be entertaining. And entertaining in that sort of hide behind your sofa, my God, did he just say or do that? Uh, kind of way <laughs> but with Guardiola at, at City that would be kind of fun the football might not be great he probably wouldn't be playing players like Borthwick Jackson and so on because it's not you know history of Mourinho uh, isn't that he he uh, emphasizes youth or anything like that you know there'll be many things that we wouldn't be happy about um, but the uh, the uh, the banter between him and Guardiola would be fun. He has apparently written a six-page letter to Manchester United saying that he would be prepared to work within the club's traditions and adapt. Yeah. Um, Roundly dismissed that well, one. I, I'm, I'm not sure Mourinho... Even if we believe that he would write a begging letter, uh, does Mourinho's ego go that far? I, I don't see it. But, hey, maybe this is new humble Mourinho, sacked twice by Abramovich. Maybe he's... He's, uh, he's some of that ego's gone. You say roundly dismissed, but have you read the dismissal, the George A. Mendes dismissal of it? It's absolutely amazing. It's like, it would be absurd to think that Jose Mourinho would write a letter. Ridiculous. It's like nowhere in any of that does it say Jose Mourinho did no. not write a letter to the club. <laughs> yes, a non-denial denial. Yeah, very good. Yeah, um, Jorge Mendes, who is uh, now a de facto director of football at Manchester United, isn't he? Uh, bringing in not only Mourinho, so say the gossip columnists, but uh, but uh, Atletico Madrid's director of football too. So is he definitely a Mendes client? Yeah, so it seems like Berta has a close relationship with uh, Jorge Mendes, uh, quote unquote. Uh, he's been at Atletico Madrid for a couple of years, a former banker. We Just what we need in the Old Trafford boardroom, that one. Um, but look, more broadly... Is, isn't a director of football what United probably needs? Some kind of buffer between a coach and, and Woodward, a yeah, former and I banker. Yeah, and Atletico Madrid seem to be extremely all well run from the scouting and player acquisition side of things, don't they? They've, they've punched hugely above their weight in La Liga and in Europe for three seasons, right? So it's pretty impressive stuff and they constantly have a... They've got a long history of unearthing gems that obviously predates Berta's time with them, but... It's been a good few years under him. Yeah. 
So we, we give Mendez uh, and uh, Mendez's client Mourinho the keys to Old Trafford and bring in another Mendez client. Uh, and then uh, apparently we'll be buying uh, £60 million 18-year-old uh, Portuguese players uh, from Mendes as well. Uh, should we just give him the code to the bank account as well? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is ridiculous how much influence he has at United, isn't it? But that, that's that's the world that we currently live in. Well, um, you know, the thing is, you know, much of United's uh, focus is obviously on the commercialisation of the club, right? So it just makes sense to me that, that all the, the football side of things is transactional as well. You know, might might as well be. We'll just bring in an agent to run the club uh, and we'll just buy and sell like it's, uh, you know, playing cards or uh, fantasy football or something. I've been thinking a lot about the kind of um, the nature of what it means to support a club because, you know, they're just becoming an ever more vile and unpleasant institution, aren't they, Man United? And I was thinking about this in the wake of the the rumours which have been denied that the Glazers were insisting on cost-cutting across the board, including at the academy. Um, and you just think if that had happened, at what point do you just want to stop giving these people the oxygen of publicity? And, you know, some people obviously have boycotted United for a long time now. And I do have an awful lot of sympathy with people that just won't go because of the way the club's owned and run. I I really do. Because it's a, it's a very complicated and emotive topic, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it's a, it's the right topic right at the moment. Not not only 10 years of the Glazers and the way they've run the club and, um, you know, obviously just about the bottom line, taking about £15 million in dividends uh, a year at the moment, as well as the 800 or so that's been siphoned off in, in interest and repayments and uh, management fees and forex transfer and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's the right one. And... We're at a time when the the Premier League is is more commercial and more successfully wealthy than ever. Um, uh, Liverpool fans walked out of their game at the weekend on the 77th minute to complain about £77 tickets at Anfield. You know, this is this is a club with deep working class roots and £77. Um, and good on them as well, you know. And uh, um, in, in all the years of uh, anti-Glazer protests and... And uh, the green and gold movement and stuff like that. United fans never quite got round to walking out, and that was quite a statement uh, from the cop, I'd say. Absolutely, and and I saw some really snide, you know, petty tribal response to that. And you just think, well, if you can't see that you're on the same side as the Liverpool fans in this situation, tribalism really has blinded you beyond belief because. There are people having the same experience as you, being overcharged for football. It's been denied to the people who it's traditionally for. Kids are being priced out of the market. All the all the really obvious stuff, you know. Um, and and I think that was a very reasonable protest. And to people saying, "Well, don't buy a ticket in the first place," it's mostly going to be season ticket holders making that protest, isn't it? So. You know, it's not like people are buying a ticket to deliberately walk out. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a debate I've had with um, Premier League Dan on Twitter. I, I can't, actually can't remember his, his Dan something. He's the Premier League spokesperson who is just steadfast in his total denial that fans have anything to complain about. You know, he always says, oh, just look at the research. Uh, Premier League games are not more expensive than European games, except, of course, you you could go and see Borussia Dortmund for 10 euros, you know, and um, and, and get similarly uh, decent price deals at many of Europe's top clubs. And so the Premier League is overpriced, no doubt about it, when you um, think about how many actual of the bottom tier price tickets there are, it's not very many. They're very hard to get hold of and very many fans who used to be able to afford to go now can't. And anyway, if the you can say like, oh, it's comparable prices to similar products elsewhere, but that doesn't mean that they're not too expensive too because they're all chasing the same commercialisation. And the Premier League TV deal, like th- this is again, this is a point which... As I've thought about it a lot, but it was they talked about it on Second Captains just last week, where fans are paying through the nose to provide the product, because like for televised football, the crowd is fundamental to what the board broadcasters are buying. Broadcasters are not paying those rights to watch, uh, paying those prices to to show football played in half empty stadiums. It's a much less appealing television product. Essentially, that that fans should be subsidised through the nose by clubs. Prices should be dirt cheap 
because the clubs just at the top level just don't need the money from the fans and and the fans are making the clubs money by paying they're paying for the privilege to be extras in the television production yeah and unfortunately it's a it's an arms race and so none of the clubs have the incentive unless it's collectively to cut prices yeah um although the the premier league uh, chairman had the chance to vote for a cap on away tickets and and seven of the the 20 clubs voted against it so they voted it down you know many of them the top clubs as well so they had the chance to do it and and chose not to and it's it is greed. It's greed from some owners who are pulling money out of the club, like the Glazers, um, and some are fearful that they'll be not as competitive if they somehow lose out on income. Yep. And talking of money and football, uh, it's been a crazy few weeks as very top-name players uh, travel to China. Players not right at the end of their careers in some cases. In the case of Alex Teixeira, uh, instead of a big move to the Premier League, he's got a big, big move to China, which is um, there's a definite power shift underway, isn't there? Well, maybe we'll see. I mean, there, a few years ago, the, the Japanese league uh, was doing something similar, right? So we'll see how sustainable it is. Although, you know, the Chinese economy is it, it, they say it's going through a dip. It's only growing at seven percent a year. So uh, most European countries would uh, kill for that. So. Um, uh, Sure, you know, if, if there are, there are you know, plenty of oligarchs uh, owning Chinese clubs and prepared to pay that kind of money, there will be something of a power shift. There will be players who will be prepared to do that, you know, and, and not just as a retirement home. Um, same with MLS. MLS is run very, very differently, of course, centralised contracts. Um, they just uh, added an incremental pot of money. So for many years, they've had a maximum wage, which at the moment is just $400,000, so not very competitive um they've had the designated player role and then they just added this uh this this extra pot of money you can use to top up so it's becoming more competitive and you're you're finding that um players who maybe aren't the elite players yet um but are you know pretty good standard players are now finding their way over to mls and and i guess the the chinese clubs are taking on a slightly different role at the moment they are didn't buy Fellaini though. Still they? haven't. What's still wrong haven't bought Fellaini. Nor did they buy uh, Riyad Mahrez or Jamie Vardy. Nobody bought them. They're staying at Leicester to fire the Foxes to the title. Absolutely, totally, and utterly incredible performance by Leicester at Manchester City yesterday. I happened to watch that game. It's just jaw-droppingly good. And I mean, I still cannot find it in my heart to believe that they're going to win the league because it, it seems so far-fetched. But for the first time, they're the bookies' favourites to win the league. I, I mean, where do you stand? I mean, they're definitely going to get Champions League football, right? That's they, they would have to totally fall apart not to get that now. You don't think United have got a chance to win the league? Because Louis does. <laughs> we, we, what was it? We'd, we'd lost... I think we'd won two in nine when he said that. Yeah. Um, look, why not? Um, I agree with you. They were sensational at City. And uh, um, Danny Drinkwater, the ball over the top to Jamie Vardy, every single time it was on and it just, City couldn't cope with it. Um, they play some good football as well. I'm not trying to say they're a direct side or anything or a long ball side, but that, that ball over the top to Vardy is so dangerous and it just means that teams have to sit back and then uh, concede space and possession to Leicester. They, look, they could do it. You kind of suspect they won't just because they've never been in this position. None of the players have. The, the pressure is really going to start building. Ranieri's trying to talk it down. He's saying that they don't have to win the league. Others do. Um, but look at the opposition. Arsenal are going through a period of, you know, Arsenalness, um, as they always do. City, well, they've just sacked their manager, uh, who just happens to still, still be sitting on the bench. Um you know, they, a few of the players talked it up, said, yeah, we're going to win it for Manuel. No, no, they, uh, I think they're going to go into their shell and, and do a, a United in 2002. Um, Spurs are the, the real contenders, contenders, aren't they? So great form, Spurs. Um, so, yeah, the, the I guess the most open title race in, in, you know, 20 years. It's absolutely extraordinary. It's mind-boggling to think that this is happening and it's wonderful as well like it's from a football romanticist p perspective like 
I thought this was dead. I thought this was not something we'd ever see again in our lifetimes. I mean, there was a period, we're old enough to remember, a period of time, like, say, between Liverpool and United's dominance, where there were lots of different teams that won the league in a short space of time, um, or a good few, and, and challenges came and went. Uh, and And that's totally gone over recent years, but it's very, very interesting to see this season play out and trying to call it seems impossible I, I kind of have a sneaking feeling that what's going to happen is the most boring possible outcome and City will win it um, but it, I don't have any great confidence in that position Yeah, um, for me it, it seems hard to suggest that City will win it now you know, they've got the best squad and they should be winning this league by miles but they they have just very publicly sacked their manager you know, you, yeah you can't, good point. you can't say that will not affect the team it definitely will you know, and Pellegrini was looking pretty hollow, wasn't he, on the bench? He looked like a ghost. Um, I mean, he's... I mean, don't mean to be mean or personal or whatever, but he does always look a bit like oh, that. True. But uh, I, I, I thought he was looking particularly pale. <laughs> yes. yeah. uh, so what do you make of Pep coming to City? Do you think that is three seasons in a row where they're just going to win the league every season? Do you think he's going to fire them to the Champions League? Is it going to be that hugely dramatic an impact? He does what Pep does. He'll get them playing great football. He's got plenty of tools to work with. They'll spend tons of money in the summer because they'll have a, a manager that the uh, the hierarchy really has faith in. He'll work well with his his um, his two directors of football, you know, uh, Soriano and Beksiristan, terribly pronounced Ed. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's great for City. You know, they have a, a real football structure in there that, you know, a club that's built around winning, not around, um, you know, not saying they definitely do all the time. I'm sure there's plenty of mistakes. But um, if you look at the structure of the club from, from you know, the city we used to know and love to the one now, they're doing things right look at it in comparison to United and that's a really painful one isn't it because United don't seem to have recovered uh, from the Fergie era yet at all um so yeah it all points to him him being extremely successful you know part of part of me thinks okay we 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 are we're advocates of proactive planning on United's part right we want want to see them put in a structure that that can be sustainable f- for the long term but I also, like, my brain just went, we've got to get Mourinho as soon as they got Guardiola because th- there's going to be, you know, when, when Moyes left and Van Gaal came in, one of the big plus points was like, well, players are much more likely to want to come to play for Van Gaal because he's got some sort of reputation. That, in the end, I don't think that would be the case now, of course. Certainly you think players would be super keen to come and play for Mourinho because there's just a, a, a list of as long of your arm of absolutely brilliant players who've loved playing under Mourinho. Yeah, very true. Uh, and uh, quite a long list of players who really didn't at Chelsea. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the weird thing, isn't it? Because like, loads of them also absolutely love him, you know? So it's a very it's a complicated dynamic. He creates complicated dynamics, that's for sure. And... You just wonder, is he just going to leave Old Trafford a blazing ruin in two and a half years' time or whatever? Uh-huh. Could could uh, well do, yeah. Um, yeah, well, Pep will only do three or four seasons because that's all he does. Yeah. Um, and Mourinho will, yeah, he'll either do six months or three years. <laughs> and this is the other interesting thing about Pep because City seem to have been planning for Pep for five years. You know, they they seem to have, like, Project Pep has been a big deal at City for a really long time. And yet he's going to just be there for three years. So it's like, is it, I guess that's worth it if you win the Champions League in that time. But I don't know, the the, the uncertainty about the long term is really fascinating. Yeah. Now, talking of worth it, one other thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, Bebe's contract was on Football Leaks this week. Don't know whether you saw that or not. No, I did not. Tell me. I'm excited. Fascinating to, stuff. Yeah. I'm excited um, about this. Way more than I thought he did. So, yeah, I thought I'd had some good information way back when. Um, he earned about 10 times as much as I'd been told he actually earned. So he, he was, <laughs> wow. Yeah, he was earning £900,000 a year, had a half million pound signing on bonus <laughs> and a bunch of other very attractive bonuses for winning trophies. What, what the, why no wonder he always looks so happy? What, that's the weird, that is the weirdest no, no, transfer not weird. in football not, history. Not weird, Paul, corrupt, no. corrupt. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, just as an aside, makes you feel good and warm and fuzzy about football, yeah. doesn't uh, it? Talking of things that make you feel warm and fuzzy about football, Phil Jones's so- social media presence. It's, uh, it's not good, is it? It's yeah, not, that was yeah. not a good, not cool, not cool, Phil. Yeah, I, I was thinking of putting the the Rancast logo on a on a Busby Bay's picture. Honest, no. I, just, I'd just like just to so vote cr- against that if possible. Just so crass. And yeah, um, I hope I, I have no insider knowledge on this. I hope it was some eighteen-year-old intern at the agency he employs that knew no better. Yeah, that's that's what I hope. Let's hope that that's the case. It may be that Phil Jones has been taught to use football that has been taught to use Photoshop to a basic standard and did it himself. Uh, the If you didn't see this, this is not, by the way, like t- being horrendously morally outraged for the sake of it. I, honestly, it was so insensitive. I could, it's like Nathan Barley-esque. It's like a horrible dark comedy about social media. But he put a picture of the Busby Babes on the bottom part, black and white, similar image that's been going around and on the top part, black with the clock in the middle, but in the top left-hand corner was his incredible PJ4 logo. And in a footer across the bottom was his Instagram, his Twitter, his Facebook, and and something that I didn't even recognise because I'm not down with the kids. Um, I'm going to guess Snapchat, but anyway, I don't know that. Um, and you just, I was just looking at it, shaking my head, going, is this real life? Did somebody really... How... The thought process, what, what... I mean... And it's still there, like... A day and a half later, and if you look through the replies, I'm surprised that nobody has noticed. Uh, <laughs> Incredible, yeah. Yes, um, Nathan Barley, I was thinking of Black Mirror. It was, uh, it was definitely that kind of thing as well. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the show that predicted the Prime Minister <laughs> a pig. Giving Tom work to do unnecessarily there. <laughs> All right, let's take some Twitter questions before we have a look at Sunderland game, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, at Gary underscore 1105 says, if Mourinho does take over at the end of the season, what will happen to Mata? Um, yeah, he'll be playing on the wing, being asked to track back, and after about six months, he'll be sold. I reckon he'll build the team around him at number 10. That's what I reckon will happen. I reckon he'll have learnt from his previous mistake. Look how badly that ended for him. Yes, well, very true, yeah. Let's hope so. Uh, at Yugol Subedi says, which current United player would be best in a Seinfeld cameo? That's got to be Fellaini. You can imagine him bursting through Jerry's flat door <laughs> and taking food out the fridge and elbowing yes, Elaine yeah. in the face. He would just be a double, wouldn't he? Maybe. Mind you, there, there are times when Rooney's needed a manzia. You could definitely have Fellaini, like Kramer makes friends with Fellaini. That, that would definitely be like a good Seinfeld plotline. At Charnaldo says CBJ, discuss. I think we've done a bit of that, haven't we? What do you think has changed asks at Linky Nation uh, with the way that United are playing in the recent weeks. What's What's been the difference? Well, I'm not sure there was loads of difference against Derby. Oh, um, I don't know. Again, I, well, I mean, it was Derby. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah true, true, true. Um, although we've played similar quality sides and not done that well. Uh, very true. Um, I thought Carrick made a big difference against Stoke, just uh, way more progressive all of a sudden with him in the side. Um, I think, you know, he just does. Um, talk of Michael Carrick having a contract extension, which I think would be well earned. I saw some negative comments on social media about that one. Don't make any sense to me. He's still um, United's most composed midfielder. And uh, he's not going to slow down because he was pretty slow to start with. Uh, yeah, I guess Carrick made a difference. I thought he wasn't great in the first half against Stoke, but he got into that game and kind of improved. I think Matter at 10's made a big difference. Uh, I think if you just look at that side, it just looks much less like they're trying to uh, jam square pegs in round holes. I think it's made a huge difference. Yeah, balance. Yeah, having fullbacks in their proper positions on either flank has made a big difference, I think. And uh, the other thing that I think is really important that at Econi's asks about, which is Rooney's been in really good form. Rooney's performances of late have been good when he gets some love on the rank cast. And it's like, I do think that's made a big difference to the way we've played recently too, because his goal uh, against Stoke, the space that he created for the pass out wide from Mata to Martial, that's vintage Rooney. He's been in absolutely really good form and he, he still looks slower than he used to be and uh, he wasn't great against Chelsea, but, but I think having him be a real clear and present danger made a big difference yeah it does he was bad against Chelsea um so which kind of worries me because I really hope we get the Rooney of the last few weeks back quickly yeah um we are playing Sunderland uh next weekend so you know 
there's, there's a good chance he, he will come back. But, yeah, yeah he, he was bad against uh, Chelsea and, and that first touch I talked about earlier. Uh, that's usually the sign that Rooney's uh, burst of form is coming to an end. Um, you know, I don't want to be too much of a cynic, but, you know, it's in my nature. Um, and the first touch is the first thing that goes with Rooney. So we'll see. He, he has a habit and a history of scoring in bursts. And this might have been it. Or maybe he's he's back and being dropped against Stoke on Boxing Day has has put the rocket up him and he'll be great for the rest of the season. Let's hope so. Um, at, un- at Mank underscore Mike uh, says, if Lingard cost 20 million plus, would he be more lauded by our fans? Youth products at big clubs is so rare, not world class, but decent. Yeah, maybe. It's it's hard to say because there's another narrative that says he would get Memphis-esque criticism as well for every mistake. You know, those expectations are set with a fee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lots of people asking about Mourinho bringing John Terry to Man United. That's, that's not something any of us are going to have to worry about. Oh, my God. Um, assuming a new manager comes in, asks Ryan Dino 7, how many of the current squad are good enough to close the gap to the best European team? Yeah. This has been a big debate lately of like... How much is this just about the fact that United haven't got the players? Well, look, some of it, and we've talked about this before, and the word Liverpoolization has been bandied around a little bit. So um, I think there's always a risk when you start buying players just below the level you really want to be at. Um, you know, the excuse is always, oh, well, we, you know, he's better than what we've got. But if he's not quite good enough, it just means catching up and catching up and catching up all the time. And it's this uh, cumulative effect, I think. So in Fellaini... He was a real dud and a few others have not worked out very well. In Schneidlin, I think United bought a decent player who's actually done well this season, but one below the top level. He wouldn't get in most of the top European sides, would he? Um, Blint at central defence wouldn't play in any top European side. You know, or, or look I, could at, see, I, could, I could see Daley Blint in Barca. could see him defense. at Barca, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. But he wouldn't ever have to defend. Um, which, you know, he'd just have the ball and distribute it, which is great. He's great at that. Uh, hit a beautiful uh, first-time 70-yard pass from the left side of central defence out to the right wing uh, today, um, late in the game to set up a United break, you know. He's brilliant at that, and he scored some goals, and um, he gets about the pitch because he's taking all United set plays as well. They're the only player who can actually take a set play at the club, it seems. No, or, or look at the other way around. You know, how many United players would honestly get into some of the top sides? De Gea, definitely. Martial, maybe now. Rooney wouldn't anymore. None of the midfielders maybe maybe matter, but he didn't make it at, you know, other top sides. Did he? Dumped by Real Madrid when he's young, decent at Valencia. He had his, you know, purple patch for two and a half seasons at Chelsea. Um, any others? Not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think Luke Shaw, maybe. Um, I think Damian, if if that mid-season, you know, if that blip that he's had was just a blip, I think Damian's a contender at, at, at a high level um, as as a fullback. Uh, but either way, you're talking about United being maybe four or five players short of of you know making a decent run in the Champions League. Yeah, absolutely, and not just four or five players, but like. At least, at least two players. or three of them have to be really, really exceptional players, and and you know the club was still like all the way through January. There were still stories about Neymar and Bale and all that kind of stuff. And you, I mean, the Neymar one is just a total and utter joke. Whenever I see that link, I just feel sick because there was it was a piece the other day that was like Man United are leading the race for Neymar, and it's just like in what world is staying at Barcelona to play with? Like the best player in the world, one of the best centre forwards in the world, an incredible uh, set of players behind you, scoring goals for fun, being absolutely beloved. In what world is that not the outcome of this whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean I, I'm going to assume that Woodward, he's done okay in his career, right? He's got to be smart enough to work out what this is. If he's got any yeah. pretense about this, maybe it's just paper. Let's just hope it's... In fact, let's just dismiss it as paper talk because Woodward is not so dumb they would play this game again because it ends with Neymar signing a new contract. And United having wasted a load of thought energy on unnecessary emails. I mean, Thomas Muller, I could, you could see a certain degree of logic that staying at Bayern obviously is the most out, likely outcome all along. But it's like, yeah, OK, I can see why you would pursue that. But Neymar's just ridiculous. Anyway, um, 
so yeah, I think that's that's a two or three incredible players, another couple of very good players. We're we're a good way off where we want to be in terms of the squad. Um and it's going to be a rocky few years. And I think kind of bringing in Mourinho to smash the side into some sort of winning shape. You you can't see him failing dramatically at United because he just never has really, has he? Well, except for the last six runs at Chelsea. No, I, I mean, it, it, I don't mean he's never fa- he's failed with a lot of his jobs in the end. He's, yeah. he's gone out on a low, but he's always won the league everywhere he's been. So Very, very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Mourinho to come in and provide some stability. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, a, a manager that probably isn't going to be the manager to come in and provide us some stability is big Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce. And uh, Man United travel up to Sunderland. An early kickoff. Not much fun for travelling supporters, that one. Saturday, 12.45. Yeah, and that's just the Sunderland fans, yeah. They are dreadful. Although... A very spirited comeback at at, at Liverpool um, at the weekend. So you know, to to be two 0 down and then br- bring back to two two um, will give them some confidence. But aside from that, they've just been terrible all season. And you know, you'd give them about an eighty percent chance of being relegated at this stage. Uh, just the kind well, of team United have been struggling against in two thousand and fifteen. We'll see in the current run. You know, you'd think United would be. Uh, be good enough to go win. Well, Sunderland have been... There's been a few green shoots at Sunderland since the turn of the year. They, they, there's the 1-0 uh, home defeat to Liverpool. Then they smashed Aston Villa 3-1. Lost in the cup to Arsenal, but I'm sure they won't have been bothered about that. Then they beat Swansea comfortably away from home. Swansea obviously terrible too. Got hammered by Spurs. Not much disgrace in that this season. Held Bournemouth to a draw. Only lost 1-0 to Man City. And then the spirited comeback um, against Liverpool. So I think the truly terrible part of their season is pretty much over. And, and now they're just deeply average Um but uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if they can muster. They've they've been a bit they've been all right against some of the bigger sides, haven't they? But not got results ultimately. No, they haven't, and you know they they are going to get relegated. I, I mean, really, you know, very few clubs in their position don't get relegated. I, I think that's a, you know that's a better way of putting it. And and Allardyce, I don't think he's got the resources to get them out of it. And so, you know, United, I mean, we keep saying must win, right? So it was must win in the context of Van Hal talking about a title bid, you know, ho, 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 13 points behind Leicester. Um, it's must win now in the Champions League. You know, if, if United hadn't blown it at Chelsea or Chelsea hadn't sneaked a late, late equaliser, whatever narrative you want to put around that, um, it, it would have only been four points to City and, and, you know, the bums in Abu Dhabi would be getting a bit squeaky. I mean, can you imagine Pep? Pep strolls into to City and he's got, you know, FC, FC, you know, Kazakhstan in the Europa League qualifiers. Ouch. Instead, it's going to be Mourinho strolling into Man United and having that. So, like, it's not much different, is it? It's Because we're not no. going to get Champions League football now, right? That, it doesn't I mean, look like it. I mean, it, it doesn't look like Leicester are going to blow it. Tottenham are playing very well and have some, you know, an excellent squad. Um, uh, City, uh, they, you know, well, maybe they could blow up with uh, Pellegrini you know, uh, sacked and uh, very publicly. Who Who knows? You wouldn't have thought it. You'd think they've got enough resources there. I can't imagine Arsenal are going to blow it enough to drop out of the top four. United need too many teams to fail in order to to um, make it, you'd think. But, you know, it's going to need this kind of form from now until the end of the season. 13 games or 12, 13 games, something like that. United probably going to have to win, you know, eight of, of them or something like that to make the Champions League. Maybe more. Yeah, and I, it just doesn't seem that likely, does it? So Sunderland will play like every other team in the Premier League, probably play 4-2-3-1. Everyone except Leicester plays that. Defoe's been all right. He's always kind of a threat, but they just, they suffer so badly from a kind of complete lack of creativity, don't they? Um, their 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 chance creation is is not brilliant by any means. And is is this United you're talking about or Sunderland? <laughs> well, no, United have been reasonably creative for three whole games in a row now. So that's uh, good. But it's if, almost a pattern that is. If you look at that, I, I always I always it always amuses me to look at the who scored characteristics of bad teams. 
Um, Sunderland's weaknesses, defending counter-attacks, avoiding fouling in dangerous areas, defending against through-ball attacks, defending against skillful players, then very weak at defending against attacks down the wing. So we really should be able to uh, to get at this side because United's attack has been in, in decent form. And Sunderland is just not a team. When they came to United and tried to park the bus, it was just hilarious because they were just terrible at it indeed yeah um so are we, are we predicting a united win then i mean I, must we must come yeah, on i mean it's I, a, united were decent for a you know very good in fact for an hour at chelsea uh, not very good for half an hour at chelsea um you'd think they'd be able to sustain the level against sunderland yeah absolutely and i think it, you, there's a lot of hope to be taken from that stoke stoke performance which is a much more similar level of opposition stoke are better than sunderland considerably and but chelsea are miles better than sunderland um so, yeah, we, we really, really... I don't think predicting a win in this one is going out on a wild limb, given the relative strengths of the two teams. Uh, I'm going to go with 3-1 to Man United. Ooh, big man. Uh, yeah, matter, a matter brace. Very nice. Yeah, I'm going to go for 2-0. One, one team that can't buy a win at the moment is Gary Neville's Valencia. What, what do you make of this, then? A, a lot of talk, a lot of very angry Valencia fans saying he should be sacked. That's after nine league games, 13 games in total. He's been at the club for you know, a couple of months. Um, do you sack a coach after that shorter period? Well, I think you do if they were only coming in till the end of the season because it's obviously not working, is it? Like, not much left to do at this point. Is that like the chance of him turning around this season? Very limited. If he was there to kind of create a dynasty, then maybe give him a bit more time. The one thing that I've seen a lot of people say on United social media is like, um, "Oh, see, this is this is people want gigs or Gary Neville to manage United. This is what can happen." And I just think that's a reasonable point to a certain extent. But honestly, talking about the, the, the either of those two men managing the club they know inside out is in their own city is very different to saying, okay, you're going to be transplanted to a club you don't know, a set of players you don't know and haven't watched that carefully over that long a period of time, and you don't speak the language. It's a very different challenge. Yeah, very different. I mean, as a as a first step into football management, it was the most difficult thing Neville could have done, you know, so plenty of credit for that. Yeah, not speaking the language. Uh, he's got to work with his brother, <laughs> you know, uh, who's who's fine at putting the cones out, but hmm. <laughs> and um, and he's got a pretty bad squad there uh, who are very low on confidence, um, you know, because they had just sacked Santo, their manager. Um, so um, a really hard job for him to do. And, you know, there's some cynicism about the fact that he's got no experience and no, no bank of credit and the fact that he's mates with the, the chairman. So it feels like... Um, you know, he's he's got it because of cronyism. Yeah. So all of those things against him. Um, but it's a hard one because it can set a reputation, you know. So he wants to, if he wants to work in management, he, he might end up having to take a step down now after 13 games at one club. If, like, Ed Woodward was big mates with Raul and brought him in to run United, we'd be annoyed, wouldn't we? You know, that's... We would. I mean, maybe that's not a very good comparison because at least Gary Neville's had the credibility of his television work, but that is going to have no weight whatsoever in Spain, is it? Yeah, um, no. F- Valencia fans aren't going off, but fair enough. Did you see how good he was on Monday Night Football? <laughs> he, he, you know? he totally owned Carragher, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm sad, obviously. I wanted it to work out because he's Gary Neville. Yeah, well, look, maybe it will. Maybe uh, he'll come up with a big win and, and save his job and they'll uh, go on a run till the end of the season. And maybe United will turn into the best attacking team in the land and maybe Rooney will develop a great first touch and maybe Marouane Fellaini will become something other than a chest and two elbows. Yes. uh, All things are possible. And maybe there'll be a rank cast next week. I can't promise that due to the circumstances here, but I'll do my best. as I said, thank you to everyone for the lovely messages. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you know where to do that by now. We will be back at roughly the same time next week or not. That's- well, we'll do our best. And uh, in the meantime, leave us a review on iTunes and tell us how much you love us or something like that. Oh, thanks. And uh, unitedrant.co.uk slash tipjar. See you next week.